Okay, I'm going to talk to you today about going to the other side. Let's go to the other side. Amen? How many are ready to go to the other side? <laughs> you might say, what are you talking about? Well, praise God. We, I'm just so excited about what God's showing us right now. We've been receiving such good word. This Last week, we were in three meetings, and we, we three uh, days of meetings, 15 meetings altogether. Y'all think two, two meetings in one day is a lot. <laughs> And we served there, we sang, I think we sang in almost all of them except for two. How many know that when you become born again, you become a partner with God? We're partners. We're not just children. We're partners. Amen? We're co-heirs. We're priests. We're kings. The Word says that he's given us a place right next to him at the right hand of the Father. Amen? We're seated with him in heavenly places far above principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. But a lot of us, I think, are kind of living down here in our minds. We're down here with the mindsets of the principalities and powers. And I want to just encourage you, and my heart today is just to get you to see yourself on that high place, get you above those that thinking, that mindset that I'm down here and my circumstances are down here and I'm dealing with all this stuff down here and I'm just in the boat with all this mess. We're going to get some, we're, we're going to get some mindsets changed today in Jesus' name. Amen. And I believe God wants to do something at the end of our service. So if you will, flow with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's go with where he wants to go with this service. I'm expecting, we've prayed, we've asked the Holy Spirit to show up and do what he wants to do. I'm just a vessel. My, my husband encouraged me last night. He said, you're, you're anointed, you're this, this. And I said, I'm just a vessel. I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to tell the Lord, fill it. Fill it. Okay, so if you would, my main text is in Mark, Mark 4. They've got it up already. And uh, praise the Lord. I, I, um, I was just, it, it was, I told my husband when I was making my notes, you know, when you sit in 15 meetings for, in one week, it's like you're doused with the word. And so when I sat down to make my notes, it was like, <laughs> I was on overload. I had all, all these, all this revelation and inspiration and scriptures just bubbling up. And I thought, Lord, you're going to have to direct this ship because I really don't know what you want me to do, what you want me to say. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, let's go to the other side. And so I, I knew what he meant. It's, this is in Mark 4, and y'all are familiar with this scripture. Oh, Pastor Steve says hello. If y'all don't know, uh, his mother received a, a report uh, last week. She, for about two weeks, has been unable to see in her right eye, and they took her to the doctor, and the doctor sent her on to, in Colorado Springs, sent her on to Denver, and they drove through the night to get her there. And the um, physician there looked at her eye and said that she has a mass in the back of her eye. It's a lie. Amen. And uh, they're saying that it's connected partially to her brain and also to her sinuses. And so we're not moved because it's a lie. And this family has seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And so every time something like this happens, we just say, well, here's another chance to prove yourself to us, God. We're not moved by this. So it just, I'm amazed at how the Holy Spirit orchestrated the whole thing because all the family members, as you know, are in the ministry. There's five siblings. One pastor's in Australia. One is over Teen Challenge in, in Arkansas, uh, not Arkansas, Arizona. Uh, one is in Colorado. Of course, we're here. And so they just happened to be coming together this next week to celebrate Dad Bierman's 89th birthday. 
and they just happen to all be coming together, and mom is going through this issue right now, and so it's just amazing because, you know, we're on this family thread on Facebook, and everybody's on there saying, we're expecting God to move. We're so excited to see what God's going to do. We're just speaking to this lie, and we're commanded to dissipate in Jesus' name. We're believing she's not even going to have to have surgery, and if it is, it's just something small and little, and we're not, we're not accepting it. Amen? And you might say, well, that's pretty old of you. Well, yeah, because we have, we have insight on what God can do. <laughs> you know, you guys saw Pastor Trina here last week. She had an inoperable brain tumor 20 years ago. They went in and said, we can't even do anything with this. You know what Pastor Mark did? He put a sign on the door said, no doubt allowed on her hospital door. And not one person, not one doctor was allowed to come in and give the evil report in front of her because they were believing God. So they gave her her guitar and she went in there and sang praises unto God where God inhabits your praises and lifted up nothing else but God and magnified his power and his ability and she was healed. I could go on and on and on about the healings. There's, they've been healed of cancer. They've been healed of, of uh, so many things. Um, lots, lots of cancer, <laughs> but praise God, it's, and it's happened in our family as well. Each one of my kids have been touched by the power of God. It, he is not done healing people. Amen. Healing is for us today. Amen. I'm going to tell that little story. I was, I don't go to McDonald's. How many go to McDonald's? You do. Well, bless you, Lord. We'll, brother, we'll pray for you that you're healed. <laughs> yeah, the mind of Christ. I don't think he would go to McDonald's, but anyway. So I went to McDonald's with, with uh, a couple of the moms. We met at, or I think it was just Jen. We met at, uh, after VBS. We took some of the kids. We had like eight or ten of them. And we're sitting there, and I saw this lady come in. She had a cane, and she was hunched over. And a real sweet, you could just tell she had a real sweet demeanor. And I kept feeling like the Holy Spirit said, give her some money and go talk to her and tell her that I love her. And I, and I haven't left her. I'm here for her. So I went over, and I started talking to her, and... Um, I said, Lord wants me to give you money, and he wants me to pray with you. And she said, she said, okay. She said, I hurt. And I said, I, I can see that. And I said, do you believe that Jesus heals today? And she said, no, I don't know. She was kind of doubtful. And I said, well, I do. I believe he heals. And I believe that as I pray for you right now, I'm going to put my hands on you, and the power of God is going to go into your body, and it's going to work a healing and a cure in your body. And I explained, you know, sometimes we receive miracles overnight. It's quick, but sometimes it's healing is a process. Just like when you get a cut on your hand, it takes a couple days to heal, scab over, and then it's, it's done. I said, so keep the switch of faith turned on. Don't let go of it because the power of God's going to work in you right now. I'm trying to go through my, my story real quick. So, so I, I said, um, I prayed for her, and then I said, you know, I, somehow I got to, we were pastors. She goes, where do you pastor? And I told her, she goes, do you know a lady named Sherry? I said, yeah, yeah I know who Sherry, she ex described her. Yeah, I know Sherry. She said, she said, um, she tried to get me to come to your church. I've been watching you online. What are, the, what are the chances? I don't ever go to McDonald's. And then I go give this lady some money, and then I start praying for her, and then she's been watching us on TV. Now, isn't that amazing? Yes, it's God, and there are people watching us right now that God has something for you, and you're going to receive through the TV or whatever you're watching, the computer, because the power of God, there is no distance in the spirit. It can touch you right where you're at. Amen? So I prayed for this lady, and I'm believing that she is, has received her miracle, and we're going to see a change in her body. 
So anyway, so I, she said, yeah, watch, that man was speaking in tongues, and I don't like that. And I said, oh, well, I said, it's in the Bible. She goes, I said, yeah, it is. And I quoted her Acts 1, part of Acts 2, told her about when, you know, they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with evidence, of, you know, and, and we talked about it. And she said, well, I just don't know if it's for me. And I said, well, that's okay. No one's, no one's forcing it on you. It is your power, but no one's forcing it on you. You know, it's available. But you can come and just receive the word. So what ignited in me is that wherever we go, we're carriers of the glory. And we are partners with God. And he's waiting on us to get out of the boat and do something with what he's given us. Every person in here, if you've received, if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are called to the ministry. Now, you may not be called to a fivefold. You might be called to helps. But we're all called to serve. Last week when we went up to these meetings, we served. We helped with the praise team. We sang the whole time. We, did, we, we brought stuff to people. We helped. We did whatever we could. We picked up dishes because they fed people. We did whatever we could to serve one another. We're all called to serve. Amen? We're all called to serve, and we're all called to step out and be the hands and the feet in the voice of Jesus. Amen? And we need, the world needs what we have. Let's not be selfish and sit on the chair and start thinking about what I need. I just need a touch from heaven. Well, we all need a touch from heaven. But you know the word, the way the, that the Lord has, has done it, it's you, you give to receive. It's all the opposite. You can't just sit and receive. You, you, you give to receive. You know, just like our, our monies. We give. You know, you cast your bread upon the water and more and more will come back. Amen? Uh, little, little Hunter, Hunter, I keep calling him Hunter. Braden, I get him mixed up. He's not little. He's big. <laughs> Braden, he, he uh, was blessed this last week. He got, I think, about $300 given to him. People just kept giving him money. And he said, you know, I learned in class that you're not supposed to give from your little. You're supposed to give from your increase, from what you have. He said, so I decided I'm going to give $200 today. I said, whatever's in your heart to give, you can give it. He gave $200 today. That's faith. He has faith in God that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and obey his word. Amen? And I believe that he's going to be blessed. I've already seen him be blessed. I know Hunter, when he was believing God for um, a car, he was very young, and every money he got in his hands, it was like, I think you were giving most of it away, weren't you, like 80% of it? Because he was believing God for a car. And I just innocently, I wasn't asking for money, but innocently, I, I was just kind of, telling the testimony of my, my son, I think he was 16, giving his money because he was believing God. Some stranger sent us a check for $500 just to honor him, what he was doing, to honor his faith. He said, I didn't even know who he was. He said, I want to give your son a blessing. So I, I just thought it was so neat that, you know, God honored his faith. God honors your faith. He doesn't honor a need. He honors faith. Amen? Praise God. So let's look at Mark. I'm going to here I go. I, I start talking out of my heart, and then I don't look at my notes. Let's look at Mark 4, 35 through 41. Now, uh, let me just preface this. Jesus had done all these miracles pre previous to this, and he was teaching the disciples. You know, he'd just been teaching them about uh, the parable of the seed, that how you, it's important that you sow. And you don't get anything unless you sow. And one, and one little side note here. I, I heard this from Pastor Mark this last week. He said one of the things, the main now, I don't know if somebody wants to argue with this, but one of the main pieces of equipment that farmers need are the planter. 
He said uh, bankers will actually loan money to farmers if their planter breaks down because you have to plant to get a harvest. You have to plant to get a harvest. I said you have to plant to get a harvest. And this, that's, that's true monetarily, but what I'm talking about right now is, is the word. You've got to plant the word of God. Are you in the word of God? Are you feeding your spirit? Because you're not going to see results in your life unless you're feeding on the word. And the, and the word of God is God speaking to you. You, want, you might be saying, I just need some direction. I need, I need to hear God's voice. Well, are you opening the book? Because that's God speaking to you. You've got to give him something to work with. Amen? You're supposed to be partnering with him. We want, we want to see all these miracles. We want to see change. How many want change in your life? You want change in your life. And if you're seeing that same view around the mountain, then I have a little word for you. You're going around the same mountain over and over again. You're going to have to do something different. You're going to have to do something different. And the first step is getting in the word and following what he says for you to do. Amen? So he'd been teaching them, and he'd been talking about faith, and he'd been talking about planting seed, and he'd been talking about how your faith increases when you plant seed and, and following after what, what he said to do. And then he says, you know, here he says, and that same day when the even was, even was come, even, does that say even? He saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. Now, this was not just a, a suggestion. Maybe we could pass over to the other side, guys. No, he said, let us pass. He's given a command. He has purpose on getting to the other side. He's not just going for a casual ship ride. He's, we're going to do something. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. You guys know this story. Another translation says a great tempest in a hurricane proportion. Now, I've never been in a hurricane. My mother has. She talks about it, uh, how horrifying it was. How many have ever been near? You, yeah, Louisianans. It's, it's probably, I've seen it on TV. I can't even imagine. But being out in the water in a ship in the middle of a hurricane would be another story. Now, we went on a, on a cruise, and we had some little bit of, you know, some winds, and I had to go get a Dramamine. That was bad enough. I can't even imagine hurricane coming in and, and the waters filling the boat. It says so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship. I guess that would be the yonder part of the ship. I don't know. Asleep on a pillow. This is the Passion Translation. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, careth thou not that we perish? And when he arose and rebuked, he then arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? Has, how, has it, how is it that you have no faith? This happened right after he had been teaching them on seed faith. And he's saying, guys, I'm standing before you teaching you how to have faith. We get out here and you allow this storm to take over your emotion. Now, I just want to ask you today, what is in your boat? Jesus has told you to go to the other side. There's purpose. There is a purpose, and we're going to talk about the purpose, on getting to the other side. 
But the enemy is going to throw some things at you. There's going to be some storms. There's going to be some, some circumstances. There's going to be some evidence of some things that are going to try to keep you from getting to the other side. Because the enemy knows that on the other side, uh, you get into the other side of the waters, you get into the bank, that there's somebody that's going to be set free. Somebody's going to be touched from your life. Somebody's going to be affected. You're going to affect some people because you're following the plan and the will of God for your life. And he knows that if you get there, you're going to be completing the work that God has called you to do. And I'm, th this could be a daily thing. This, this might be your life, but this could be daily. What is it today that he's told you to get to the other side of? Maybe you're dealing with some past hurts, some, some, some decisions that you made that weren't right, some things that you're hurting from, maybe, maybe some shame and rejection in your life. Maybe somebody's treated you wrong. Maybe there's some unforgiveness in your life, and it's in your boat. It's in your ship. And it's moving around and it's keeping you from getting over to the other side where God says, I've got a plan for your life. If you'll follow after what I have for you, if you'll obey my voice and do what I've called you to do, we're going to do some things if I get you over to the other side. Let's get to the bank. But what's in your boat that's keeping you? This morning, I, I have a routine. I'm a routine person. We've been doing this for, what, uh, 25, 30 years and getting up in the mornings, and my kids, all of them have been raised a certain way. We lay out their clothes. Get in the morning, you do, you brush your teeth, you comb your hair, you get your shoes on, and you meet me in the car <laughs> at a certain time. And if you're not there, then I'm going to be late. So this morning, I, I, I told Brady, you brush your teeth, you get your hair done, you get your, he's old enough to do his own. So he got in the car with his tablet, and, and his hair wasn't done. And his teeth weren't brushed, and he had the wrong shoes on. And I go, "What are you doing? You're not ready." Well, I'm, I'm, I, I'm ready. He had all these excuses, and I saw that tablet, and I'm like, "No, you're distracted. You're doing something else. You're not obeying the first call command that I gave you, <laughs> so that we could fo follow through and get to the other side. We got a plan. We got a purpose. We got to get somewhere. God's called us to do something this morning." You know, it's okay to be on the tablet when it's on the right time. But God's called you to do something. Maybe he's told you to do something that you haven't been obedient to. You're doing some other things. He said, no, I want you to brush your teeth. I want you to comb your hair. I want you to get the right shoes on. And I want you to be ready when I want you to be ready. Maybe the reason why you're not fulfilling the plan of God for your life is because you've been doing too many other things that he's told you not to do. And you're too distracted by life. He has a plan for your life, and you are a partner with him, a co-heir. And he has the ability to make you a great success, and for you to, to follow after what he wants you to do, you're going to have to do what he said to do today. You might be sitting there thinking, well, that's not what I want to do. There's a lot of things I don't want to do. There's a lot of things my flesh are saying, wah. Well, call the ambulance, you know. This morning we get up here and we start doing worship and we do our prayer time. You think my body was like, yay, I'm in church, woohoo! No, my body was tired. Just saying, go sit down, drink some coffee and wine a little bit. Do I let it control me? Do I say anything out of my flesh because I'm a whiner? No, I'm never going to be a leader. I'm never going to fulfill the plan of God if I'm whining about all my circumstances and my flesh wants to say stuff. 
No, you know what? You know why Stephen, when he was stoned, that scripture says he was full of the Spirit and he was controlled by the Spirit. We're to be controlled by the Spirit. Let go of your past. Get it out of your boat. Kick it out. Don't talk about it anymore. <laughs> Bury it. Put some dirt on it. <laughs> like the dog, when they go out and go to the bathroom, they do that thing, you know, they do. Always kind of wonder about that. But anyway, a little side note. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, there's, there's, there's a refining that's taking place when we're going through these times. And I know it can be tough. It can be hard. I understand that. I've cried a lot of tears. He has a whole bunch of bottles up there with all my tears in them. And, and there's been things that I've griped in him about with pastoring and, and parenting and being a wife. There's, you know, let's be honest. That life can be challenging, every part of it. We can't do anything without God. But he's our help. He's our comforter. He's our strengthener. He's our guide. He's the lifter of our heads. I'm so thankful. But, you know, Pastor Mark was telling a story about this. Uh, they have a beautiful piano in their house. Trina plays a piano. And it needed to be tuned. And so he walked in his house, and there was a man sitting on his, at his wife's grand piano playing this beautiful classical music. And at first he walked in, you know, he's like, who's that man's? Sitting at my wife's piano, playing that music. He kind of got gruff, and he's like, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm just here to tune your wife's piano. And he's playing, you know, this classical music. And the man says, this piano has a beautiful, special, unique sound that comes from it. He's like, yeah, well, it's a nice grand piano. With upright, he probably paid a lot of money for it. It was nice beautiful. He says, no, this one has a sweet sound. It's special. He said, there are certain pianos that have a special sweet sound to them because the wood that they're made from comes from the north where the winds are high and the weather is hard and something happens to that wood in order for those trees to grow up in that challenging weather, it is very refined. It grows in a special way so that it can beat the weather. He said, not only do they take the wood from the north, but they take the wood from the north in the highest places where it's really cold because that wood is really, really refined. He said, and not only do they take it from the north in the highest level, but they take it from the north side of the tree where it is the most refined part of the wood to create this piano so that it can have the sweetest sound that it can make. And I want to encourage you, if you've been going through some stuff, you're feeling like, man, the storms have been blowing. I don't think I can take anymore. There's a refining going on in your heart, in your life, and there is a sweet sound that comes out of a heart that's been challenged in life and has pursued and persevered and gone through the weathering and has stand tall, stood tall in the midst of what seemingly might be defeat. There's a sweet sound 
that comes from a worshiper. You know, when people say stuff to us about our worship, I just tell them, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've had to worship through. You don't know what I've had to push through. You don't know what I've had to sing through. You don't know what I've had to lift my voice for. You don't know the hell I've had to fight and I've overcome. And that sweet sound comes from those times. And God's taken me to the other side over and over and over and over and over and over again. Amen? How many want to go to the other side and fulfill the plan and the purpose that God has for you? Praise God. So before we got in the jet again yesterday, they were saying that there was going to be some storms. I don't know about you, but I just don't like to fly in storms. I'm full of faith, but storms tend to challenge my faith. <laughs> so I was studying on this, and the Lord said, speak to the storm. Command it to dissipate. So I looked on the Louisiana, you know, weather, and it said it was going to be 70, 80% thunderstorms. You know, at, we were supposed to leave at 9. And then the pilot came back and said, we're going to leave at 5 instead. And I'm looking all throughout the day. It's like 50, 60, 70, 80, all day long. I'm like, man, I just, I know I'll be okay, but I just don't want to fly that way. You know, you'll be okay in the boat with some stuff. But who wants to go that way? I'd rather go smooth sailing. And we can have smooth sailing because we need to speak to the storm. So long story short, we spoke to the storm, got up that morning, and it was zero rain until 10 o'clock. We were supposed to leave at 9. They changed it to 9. So yay. So we spoke to the storm, commanded it to dissipate, and it was gone. I want to tell you, if you're quitting, if you're thinking about quitting, remember why you started. Remember why you started. Whatever it is that God has called you to do in your life, if you are thinking about quitting, remember why you started in the first place. Quitting is leading to. If you are quitting something, you are leading in that way, and everybody around you is going to be affected. James 1, 2, 4 says, Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith brings out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let patience, let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be a people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. I don't know about you, but when I read this, I'm not like, yay. Do you just want to rejoice, get up and do a Holy Ghost dance? <laughs> Consider it all joyful when you fall into temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Patience is probably one of my number one areas because the Lord was talking to me one day about, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. He said, you need to work on your patience. Okay. I think my personality type, probably all of us, who those of you who are the high D personality, you need to work on your patience. And so I just said, Lord, I, I don't know how to fix it. You're just going to have to fix it in me. He said, you just need to spend more time focusing on me because it's a fruit of the spirit and that fruit will come out when you know more of him amen 
That's why the children of Israel, when they were going through all that they were going through, and the, the word talks about how Caleb and Joshua had a different kind of spirit. There's a specific, I don't have it all written down, but there's specific scriptures that talk about when Moses went into the tent and he came out, you know, God spoke to him and talked to him. He came out, jo Joshua and Caleb, they stayed in. They stayed in because they wanted to know God. When you are in your place, in the presence with the Father, and you know God, when you know his voice, when you hear his voice, he will instruct you and tell you what to do, but he will also impart his heart to you, and it comes easy that way. It's not a struggle. Have you ever seen a peach try to struggle to produce itself off of a tree? It just comes out. It just pops out. And so those things just come out of us when we're spending time, but we have to be rooted and grounded in the word. Amen? Philippians 3, 13, 14 says, Do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own, but one thing I do, one thing I do is, and it's one, my, my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal with the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. I have this written down. Ships are safe in the harbor, but that's not what ships are made for. We were made for what we're doing right now. In this time and in this season, we were made for this. If you're here in this season, then you are made for this. And you might be thinking in, after these last couple of years, you might be thinking, this is too hard. I can't do this. Well, guess what? You need to get in the presence of God and realize who you are in Christ, what you've been created to do, who he's made you to be, and get active in what he's called you to do. There's too many sitting doing nothing. There's too many that aren't doing what God's called you to do. You're inactive. You've been called to duty, and you're an inactive duty. God wants you to step up to the plate. He wants to utilize what he's called you to do. Amen? Praise God. So the purpose is not just about you. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to wrap this up and still have time to do what we need to do. The purpose is not just about you. It's about those you're supposed to touch. So if we go on to Mark 5, you'll see here what the purpose was for them getting to the other side. And this is out of the Passion, Mark 5, 1. It says, they arrived at the other side of the lake at the region of the Gerasenes. As Jesus stepped ashore, he just stepped ashore, okay? They had just been been in this ship all night long and this hurricane like storm had had beat on them and they he just gets out of the shore off onto the shore and it says um a demon possessed madman came out of a graveyard and confronted him what things need to die in your life what things in that graveyard are haunting you and telling you you can't do things Maybe there's some stuff that's happened in your marriage and you're thinking, I'm not qualified, I'm not able because I wasn't a success at that. How can I be a success at anything? Maybe you've got kids that are wayward and some things that are going on and you're thinking, man, I, 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 I wasn't good at that. How can I be good at anything else? Those things are in that graveyard yelling and screaming at you just like when Jesus got to that shore and that man came up to him. He'd been living in the graveyard because he was demon-possessed. He wasn't in his right mind. He came at Jesus yelling and screaming and tearing at his skin. And has anyone ever seen a demon-possessed person? If you go on Instagram, you can probably see a lot of them. <laughs> the ones that are responding to all the stuff that's happening right now, all that. Yeah! That's demon-possession, y'all. That's not normal. 
Yeah. So, but what happened? Jesus confronted him. He didn't run from him. He didn't hide from him. He didn't go home and say, oh, you'll figure it out. No, he confronted the issue. You need to confront some of the issues in your life. There's some things that are haunting you that are from the enemy to keep you from your plan and your purpose, and you need to get rid of those things. You're not going to get rid of them until you confront them. Just like Jesus did, he confronted. The man had been living there among the tombs of the dead, and no one was able to restrain him, not even with chains. For every time they attempted to chain his hands and his feet with shackles, he would snap the chains and break the shackles in pieces. He was so strong that no one had the power to subdue him. You guys know that's not normal normal strength. That's demonic. Day and night he would be found lurking in the cemetery or in the vicinity, shrieking and mangling himself with stones. No one in their right mind would do that themselves. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran to him and threw himself down before him, screaming at the top of his lungs, leave me alone, Jesus, son of the most high God. Now, can you imagine a devil taking the time to say, leave me, he didn't just stop at Jesus, he said, son of the most high God. He knew who he was, he recognized, and he knew his doom was approaching. He knew what was getting ready to happen. He knows, the devils know their end from their beginning. They know. This is why when he says, he says to Jesus, he says, uh, swear in God's name that you won't torture me. For Jesus had already said, come out of that man, you demon spirit. Now, in my study Bible, I think I put it in there. He knew he was going to cast him to the bottomless pit. In Revelations, it talks about it here, if you want to do a study on it sometime. It's the shaft of the abyss. It's the reservoir of evil, which acts as a prison for demons. He was afraid that Jesus was going to cast him into the pit. And so you all know the story. The demons talk Jesus into casting him into the devil or to the pigs. And please put us into the pigs. And, of course, when Jesus cast him into the pigs, I think there was like, was there 2,000? I forget now. They all went over the edge and killed themselves because they couldn't stand it. And you know what happened after that? The people, they were happy for the man, but then they told Jesus to leave their region. They didn't want him to stay. Because you know why? Because they cared more about the loss of their material items than they cared about the freedom of the man. If we're so focused on the loss of material things or making material things instead of the man or the woman that needs to have freedom in Christ, then our focus is on the wrong thing. We need to be focused on the needs of the people instead of being focused on our own needs. God will provide all of our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus, the word says. So it goes on in verse 9. Jesus said to him, what is your name? This translation says mob. Another one says legions. He answered, they call me mob because there are thousands in us in this body. And then that's when he went on to beg Jesus. I already told you the story. So praise God. So we need to find something to be grateful for. You know, in the midst of what we're going through, what helps us get to the other side is being grateful. We need to remember the word. We need to be grateful. We need to speak to the storm. Not in that order. We need to do it the other way. But we need to speak to the storm, and we need to be grateful. And that, that attitude of gratitude, that heart, that will carry us to the other side. Praise God. There's some things in our lives that we need to get rid of, some things we need to get out of our boat that's bogging us down, that's keeping our eyes and focus on, on the storms and the cares of life. And we're not getting to the other side. There's purpose. 
on the other. What purpose are you not fulfilling? What are you not walking out right now because your boat's been too full? You know, the word says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Have you noticed that people, when they get ready to leave, they say, take care. I don't say that anymore. Don't say that to me. Because I'll say, no, I'm not going to. <laughs> take care. I'm not going to take care. Don't tell people to take care. I know people mean it in another, another way, but your words are your words. And your words are life and death. I'm not going to take care. I'm going to cast my care. I'm going to cast it off to, to Jesus. Roll your works upon the Lord because he will help you. If I'm carrying them, then he can't help me. Right? And so there's a mindset that we've got to have. A mindset when we're in the midst of this, and it's the mind of Christ. But the only way we're going to get that mind is if we're renewing our mind in the Word of God. Are we in the Word? Are we in the Word? Are we praying and seeking His face in this hour? I'm going to tell you, there's some people that are going through some stuff here, and I want to challenge you to get in the Word. Get the victory now. You have victory, but you might have to be getting some victory in the Word. If you're not in the Word, you're not getting the victory. You have it. It's available. But like I said, you're a partner with God. You've got to do his. He's already done his part. He's made it available to you. But you've got to get in the word and find out what it is. You've got to hear his voice. How can you expect to be walking through life and God tell you to do something and you hear his voice? Well, it's in you, yes. But you've got to be listening to his voice through his word, too. He's got to give you some instructions. I'm constantly instructing Braden right now. If I just left him alone to do what he would want to do, he'd be sitting on that tablet all the day long. I think the Holy Spirit is waiting on us. He's knocking at our heart's door. Revelations. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Will you open it? Will you sup with me? Will you come in with me? Because I have something for you to do. I want you to get out of that boat. Let's get to the other side and do something that you've been called to do. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's see if I want to get anything else. Don't settle for less than what God has for you. We limit ourselves by our mindsets. We limit ourselves, but we limit those around us. If I were to stop and not do what God's called me to do, my children would not be fulfilling what they're called to do. What was it Caleb said? My my ceiling should be my children's floor. My ceiling should be my children's floor. They should be moving higher on than what I'm doing. Amen? It's just like the children of Israel. They had a mindset of slavery. They had victim mentality because that's all they knew in Egypt. Poor Moses, he had to deal with probably eight generations of, of victim mentality people. All they knew was enslavement. But then... There were the Joshua's and Caleb's that were born out in the wilderness. And out in the wilderness, they had to deal with the ites, the Moabites and the, all the ites that came after them, all the battles that they had to win. And their food came every day from God. They didn't even know about going to McDonald's. They didn't even know about the Egyptian slavery food being brought to them. All they knew was God making their provision for them every day. And so guess what? That created to them. That created men and women that knew how to fight and win. That created a lot of Larrys. They knew what to do when they were out in the wilderness. They knew how to be tough. They knew how to overcome. They knew who their God was. And they saw those, those giants, those, what are they called, Nephilims, and they said, 
we can do this. We can do this. There's giants in the land, but we can take it. Because they had the fight on the inside. They knew who their God was, and they knew how to get to the other side. Amen? Praise God. They had a mindset that was a fight mindset. They didn't give in to the whims and the flesh and the wine and calling the whamulins because I don't feel good today. Things aren't going my way. Things don't go my way very often. They're better now, now that my children are out of the house. <laughs> I don't mean that wrong. I just mean, you know, when you're a mom, you got to take care of everybody else. And then when they leave, it's like my brother, he's, he's, he's finally an empty nester, although his firstborn is here <laughs> today. But, you know, he finds out once you have an empty nest, you can do what you want to do. Your time is your own. You can, you can do what you want. You don't have to live by whatever, all the whim, whims, whims, whims. <laughs> I didn't mean wimps. Praise God. So one of, the, one of the statements Dad Hagen said, Kenneth Hagen said, the time of learning is never wasted time. And, you know, a lot of times we, we can think, well, I've just wasted my whole life just trying to figure everything out. I just wasted all this last 20 years. I've wasted 10 more years trying to figure out what my family's doing, trying to figure out what this man's doing, this woman's doing. I've wasted, wasted. Those times are never wasted. I was talking to, to Trina yesterday as we were flying here about some of the things that we went through, a couple of the churches we were employed at, and just the crazy stuff we went through. It makes me laugh now. Of course, I cried a lot of tears through what I went through, but I've learned so much. I don't have any regrets. I don't have any regrets because I know now what not to do. <laughs> and I'm thankful that I didn't do that to somebody else. I went through it for you so that I wouldn't do it to you. <laughs> No, it's just, you know, when you go through stuff, you learn some things. You learn what to do and what not to do. You learn how to stand on the word. You learn how to speak the word. You know how to hold on, hold fast to the word. You know that God is faithful. You know he's going to come through. You keep the switch of faith turned on. You watch your words. You say only what God says. You know, this, is a, this might seem goofy to, probably to Larry because he kills his dogs when he's done with them but <laughs> but we had this dog that got injured <laughs> and I don't mean that rude he just you know he has his dogs and when they when they're at their end humanely he he humanely puts them down okay so uh, we have this dog that and I'm not a dog person I'm really not I, I really don't I don't like him to sit on my lap I don't like to pet him I just like him to be there and and just be there. So <laughs> so we have this little dog, Bentley, and uh, he had been groomed, and right after we got him back, we noticed he was kind of hanging his head, and long story short, he was not well, and about a week later, I took him in, he had x-rays, and his vertebrae had been shifted, part of his vertebrae. Obviously, he had either hung himself or something, but something happened when he was at the groomers, and so I'm telling you, this. I know this sounds light, but every day we were having to take, and that's probably why, because I'm not a dog person. Every day I was having to take care of this dog. And uh, he wouldn't eat. He wouldn't. I had to pick him up, take him outside. I'd have to pick him, have a little, little uh, step from our, our uh, the concrete to the grass. I'd have to pick him up from there to there, you know, and he, he just wasn't doing well. So they gave me medicine, so I'm feeding him medicine. He's trying to bite me, and I'm, I'm already, like, not liking him, so, you know, I'm like, 
you know, trying to give him this syringe medicine. My husband has to hold it in a certain way. It's, it's just too much. I don't have time for this. You know what I'm saying? So I'm having to be patient. Here's my patience. I just got it. I just got it. The Lord's teaching me patience through this. So anyway, so uh, a week later or two weeks later, we take him to, there are these dog chiropractors. Yes. Yes. And I can't stand to spend money on dogs. That's the other thing. <laughs> so I take him to a dog chiropractor, and he adjusts him. Get him home, and the next day, he starts coughing. I'm like, this is so demonic. <laughs> My dog keeps having these issues. He's coughing, coughing, like hacking, coughing. And I'm thinking, now what? My husband says, he has COVID. No, he doesn't have COVID. <laughs> so I called the doctor. I'm like, do dogs eat COVID? They laughed at me. They laugh. They say, no, dogs don't get COVID. I know some people say they do. Anyway, I thought maybe a kennel cough. So I buy some stuff on Amazon and get him all this medicine. So I'm giving him, I'm give, oh gosh, I'm giving him pain medicine. I'm giving him kennel cough medicine. I'm giving him, what else did I give him? Steroids. I'm giving him muscle relaxers. And he's not eating. So guess what we do? We syringe feeding protein shakes. So, because my family is a protein shake people, so we're feeding him protein shake, just to keep him alive. He won't even drink. There's a point to my story. I thought after a while, I thought, Lord, just take this dog. I can't deal with it anymore. I love him. Just take him on. I mean, I half expected to come home a few times. He wouldn't even get up one Sunday afternoon. I laid there and cried on the floor. I thought, well, he's gone. My husband comes in, picks him up. Nope, you're not done. You're not done. Come on, let's go outside, Bentley. Takes him outside. Just kept pulling him up off of his bed, you know. We're going to make sure this dog stays alive. So at the end of about eight, nine weeks, something happened. We just kept speaking the word over this dog. My husband mostly, because he likes him the most. He kept saying, Bentley, you're healed in Jesus' name. I'm, I'm serious. He's the one that really likes the dogs. And... Um, so about eight, nine weeks later, all of a sudden, the next day, he starts popping up. I mean, you guys have seen him. I brought him up here a couple times because I thought he was going to die while I was gone, you know. All of a sudden, he pops up. He's fine. He's, he's doing better. And every day since then, he's progressed. He's, and you know the one irritating thing about him? You, if anybody's at the door, he has this shrill bark. It hurts your ears. It's his own. It's, it's his only fault. He's perfect every other way, but he has this horrible bark, and now it's worse. It is. <laughs> it's heightened. It's like, oh, and we're so glad that he's alive, you know? But I'm telling you this to tell you, it, the Lord showed me something to not let go, that a lot of times we let go of what we're believing God for just becomes it, it, because it becomes laborious for us to walk it out. Just because we get tired of speaking the word, just because we get tired of administering the medicine, just because we get tired of doing our part, we want some overnight miracle. Lord, just bless me. Just give me a million dollars, and I'll be okay. We want it instantaneously, right? But God said, there's your part, and there's my part. And if you'll do your part, I will meet you at the end. And that's exactly what he did. And this dog is... 
is a miracle, really and truly. If you could have seen him, he is a miracle. But help me see that those things in our lives that we're believing for that seemingly might be dead, speak life to them, nurture them with the word, do your part, and God will do his part. I'm going to give you one more, one more quick thing. I have been believing God for freedom for asthma for a long time. It seems like when we moved to Texas, it got worse. Then when we got COVID, it got even more worse. And I was basically having to carry that, that uh, machine around with me, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, two, three times a day I was using the nebulizer. And I had a fear of leaving my nebulizer at home because I thought, I'm going to die if I don't have it with me, literally. There was a couple times they had to loan me one. My son deals with the same thing. I've been believing God for healing. So I started on some natural things to help me. Casey helped me with some stuff. And I made some adjustments in my life, but I had been standing on the word. And all of a sudden, about two weeks later, I thought, I haven't even used my inhaler. I haven't used my inhaler. No, you guys don't know how big this is. I mean, I literally thought I was going to die if I didn't have it, right? You probably heard me a few times when I, was, I would speak. If I hadn't used it right before, I'd be like, <laughs> you know, just kind of tight. I am healed of asthma. The big test is going to Louisiana. <laughs> you Louisianans know it's humid there. When you get in that air, you can't breathe. And I, it's horrible there. I usually have to puff on that thing a few more times. I did not use it one time while I was in Louisiana. Praise God. But you know what? It didn't come overnight. It came by persistence with the word, reminding God of his word because he watches over it, and trusting him that in his timing it was, it was fulfilled in me. Now, I believe I have it now. Faith is, is now. But the manifestation and, and God doing the work in me, it was a process. And so I just stood on it and kept it close to my heart, kept the switch of faith turned on, said, God, I believe that you're in this boat with me, and I'm going to get to the other side. 